characters are unique. Well-drawn, the mother, drunk, arguing with all the maids, the brother always passing out everywhere. And I love the girlfriend, the bleeding heart animal freak. She was my favorite. Yeah, you really love your characters. It comes through in the writing. Your story is very conflicted. Because at the beginning, you think these people are doomed. I mean, this family is heading for disaster. And then, as you read on, you see that there exist beneath the surface these very real connections, these deep relationships. What I took from your story is this, that even in a world where people can be superficial and stupid and selfish, there's still hope. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Got to get my uh, my chant down to the music. And we need to pump this up because my opening clip was a little mellow. But I was watching Orange County the other night on TV, and I said, you know what? That summation by Kevin Klein at the end of that movie about uh, uh, Colin Hanks' book that he wrote about his uh, his family in Orange County has a lot of similarities to what's going on in this country. You know what? Because people are so messed up. We got Democrats. We got LGBT people. We got Republicans. We got conservatives. We got libertarians. We got all kinds of weird people that see the world through their own eyes. And there's still hope. I don't know if there's any hope for California because we just have a not a not a just a balanced mixture of them but you know what uh we're gonna try anyway we're gonna keep trying we're never gonna lose hope we're gonna keep uh pushing on and trying to educate people because not everybody sees things my ways the way i see them but they should and which is why i do this show every week so uh but i'm gonna talk about what's going on and i'm gonna try and uh i'm gonna try and mix mix up some things that happened this week and blend them together with uh with some common sense and help you see what's going on. Help you see what's going on. Help you see where the where uh, where the media tries to steer us in a particular dire- direction, or let's say the the people in the media do, or the people that are using the media. You know that if you don't if you don't have time to pay attention, it's hard to really know what's going on. So I'm going to try and clear that up for you. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender based in Southern California, offices all over the area. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone, because you don't want me to hear your voice or you don't want someone who can hear your voice to hear your personal stuff. Go on to uh, WCCLoans.com. That's www.WCCLoans.com. Click on the Loan Center and click Apply Now. And uh, you got all kinds of mortgage information. But by doing that, you can uh, put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back from me. And I'll help uh, help you with the missing pieces of your uh, real estate financing puzzle. 
Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, you can get that at edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page, listen to it on demand anytime. You can also get the main event podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. iTunes, you can subscribe to it and have it download to your iPad, your iPod, your iWatch, your uh, computer, your dro- droid, whatever it is, and have it download once a week automatically listen to it whenever you want be sure to connect with the show on social media follow me on twitter at ed hoffman where i tweet current events all week long some uh, some weeks more than others um and like the show on facebook at facebook.com slash the main event ed hoffman so uh did i leave anything out hey in in real estate you know real estate uh, market is is tricky is a little tricky and let me give you uh, for those of you in southern california arizona um, I'll give you a little, or if you're even in, in Northern California, if you're listening on, on uh, red state radio, um, if you're looking for a house, wholesale capital is a, uh, preferred lender for Maxim properties. If you go to maximproperties.net, So some of you are, have, may have issues trying to get, uh, accepted offers, especially if you're looking at houses that are rehabbed and, uh, we're a preferred lender for them. So if you, if you go to maximproperties.net, I think it is, just Google it, uh, Maxim Properties, and you can search your area and see if there's any houses there that are for sale. It uh, doesn't guarantee you a discount. Don't guarantee a discount, but if you're financing with us, you have a good chance of getting your, your offer accepted. So if you see anything on there and you're looking for a house and you want to be, then call me 855-640-2020. I'll get you pre-qualified, and that may help you a little bit. Um, although there's lots of houses out there, so if you're looking... Call me, get pre-qualified, and I'll work with whatever realtor you're work you're working with. Because I don't sell houses, I only finance them. But I will, uh, I'll help you, uh, help you understand your walk to home ownership. Or uh, if you have one, you need a refinance, or you need a uh, a reverse mortgage if you're a 62 or over. Or if you just want information, call me 855-640-2020, WCCLoans.com. So let's talk about let's talk about what's happening this week. So uh, one week after the House failed to get the votes necessary to pass the o- Obamacare replacement bill, which we've talked about for a couple weeks, and you guys all know that I wasn't for this bill. I think it should be uh, two or three bills, um, but certainly one bill should have been replaced or repeal. And and then one should be replaced. And uh, President Trump was saying that the issue is, as of a week later, President Trump is trying to say the issue has not been put to rest yet. Initially, the president said he's ready to shelve health care. He said basically, hey, vote on it, vote on it, and it's either yes or no, I'm done negotiating. Um, and it's time to, to move on to tax reform. But by Wednesday, he was telling senators at the White House dinner this. I know that we're all going to make a deal on health care. That's such an easy one. <laughs> So I have no doubt that that's going to happen very quickly. I think it will, actually. I think it's going to happen because we've all been promising, Democrat, Republican, we've all been promising that to the American people. So I think a lot of good things are going to happen there. Well, I hate to disagree with Trump, but I don't know that, A, that's going to be an easy one. B, I don't know that it's going to be one because I think it needs to be two or three or four. Um, And... And I don't know that the Democrats have been promising that. I think the I think every, the only thing that everybody's been doing is promising that healthcare is going to be great, but the Democrats think it is. So uh, it's a, and it's a stark contrast from the mood of the president appeared to be in last weekend when he tweeted, "Watch Judge Janine on Fox News tonight at 9 p.m." Why would he tweet that? Well, here's Judge Janine. Paul Ryan needs to step down as Speaker of the House. The reason? 
He failed to deliver the votes on his health care bill, the one trumpeted to repeal and replace Obamacare, the one that he had seven years to work on, the one he hid under lock and key in the basement of Congress, the one that had to be pulled to prevent the embarrassment of not having enough votes to pass. But this bill didn't just fail. It failed when Republicans had the House, the Senate, the White House, and the timing? It failed within the first 70 days of President Donald Trump's administration. Well, you know what the problem is? Uh, just what I said, it's not an easy one to me, and uh, it shouldn't have been just one. So, you know, they tried to pass this bill too fast. I, I said it last week, and uh, you know the Democrats are saying, "Hey, you know what? You know the the argument for hey just repeal is no. Now 11 million people are going to be uh, not are going to be without health care. You know what? Uh, the figures show that last year only 6.4 million people in the whole country were on the Obamacare. You know Obamacare is affecting everybody, but only 6.4 million people were actually on." The have bought uh, insurance through the exchanges. 2017, um, as of February, there was 10.4 million people so uh, on it. So let's just say, let's just call it a 11. Let's say a 11, 11 million, uh, because we'll round it up. So understand that's only like 3.39 percent of the whole country that has insurance because of Obamacare. 3.39%. And in order to, to come up with Obamacare, they had to mess up the system for all of us because 3.3 million didn't have insurance. And maybe they did, or maybe they didn't. Maybe this is just giving them an alternative and this, they happen to be on the, on the, on that program. Interesting. Interestingly, Paul Ryan didn't react to this uh, initially, but by Thursday morning, Ryan, Ryan was actually defending the president in his ongoing Twitter war with uh, the Freedom Caucus members. I understand the president's frustration. I, I share frustration. Um, about 90% of our conference is for this bill to repeal and replace Obamacare, and about 10% are not. Um, and that's not enough to pass a bill. We're close. Um, what I am encouraging our members to do is keep talking with each other until we can get the consensus to pass this bill. But it's very understandable that the president is frustrated that we haven't gotten to where we need to go because this is something we all said we would do. And so he is just expressing his frustration. Yeah, I think it's the frustration that all the voters did, you know, that when we voted in, voted in outsiders, hey, this is the guy that can get this thing done. Um, and maybe he did hear Judge Janine or maybe he listens to me or maybe he follows me on Twitter. And I thought, you know, him pushing this, pushing this, this one, this is the only chance we have. This is the only chance we have to repeal Obamacare. This is the best it's ever going to get. Um, I think he stuck a knife in his political career, so maybe he's trying to to bounce back. I don't know if there's a chance of that. Um, I think I think Trump will still come out smelling like a rose when we get this thing repealed, and I think at some point he knows he knows the trick to doing this. But um, you know, on last Friday night. Um, Martha McCallum had a, uh, had a town hall in, uh, in North Carolina and they talked about a number of things and I watched, it, I go, Oh man, there's some good tidbits here. But because my opinion is that when they do those town halls and apparently Martha brought in 
Democrats, Republicans, independents, smart people, idiots. They had a whole mixture of all kinds of tree huggers and and uh, and free market capitalists. And, you know, they had all kinds of people. And I think you get a mixture of what's out there. And I think, you know, you know, when I do a sales meeting at my office, we talk about the things that we're running into in uh, in the loan business. And I say, hey, let's discuss the gotchas, the little road mines, landmines that come on these on these loans. And I say the trick to the mortgage business is is getting past the roadblocks and the bumps in the road and there's bumps in the road on every loan let's talk about them because one loan officer is dealing with it this week the other one's gonna the other guys are gonna be dealing with it or they have dealt with it, it we all go through the same thing in that so my opinion is when i hear these people in this town hall talking this is how people think people don't understand stuff let's start with uh she talked to a lady who is recently unemployed cindy you are recently unemployed, is that right? I guess. So what are your concerns about Obamacare and the possible transition to something new? Well, I'm on uh, COBRA now, and it's just the deductibles are so high. Um, is the new health care bill going to um, help with those deductibles? Uh, I find that uh, my previous employer allowed a, a low deductible, high deductible. Uh, so people, yeah, so people yeah. could afford their premiums. Okay, this is like common sense. The deductibles are so high. Is the new plan going to have a lower deductible? And my employer allowed different deductibles to make the premiums affordable. Guess what? That's how insurance works. If you want a lower deductible, your premiums are going to be higher. Guess why? Because it's a because the the deductible means the deductible is how much risk you take before the insurance company has to start assuming some of that risk. Okay, so if you've got a thousand dollar deductible on your uh, on your health insurance, that means the first thousand bucks you pay. So you go to go to ten doctor's appointments, or you go to a couple doctor's appointments and a couple of X-rays. The first part of the first part of the year, you pay everything. After that, they start picking it up. After you pay your deductible, if you have a higher deductible. Say, hey, the first ten thousand, they may never pay anything. They're just collecting insurance for catastrophic at that point. So your your premiums go down. Well, you know, what is it gonna be? And uh plus I'm on Cobra, I'm just recently recently unemployed. Are you gonna be unemployed forever? Or are you plan on going back to work? Just recently I'm on Cobra. Cobra is a temporary thing when you leave your job. Leave your job so you can you can voluntarily pay to keep your health insurance going. And so if you were paying $100 a month at your employer and when you leave you get cobra you might have to pay $200 because the employer is no longer paying it but you're you have the right to keep uh coverage for a certain period of time I don't know if it's six months or a year or maybe it's indefinite um the laws keep changing that's why I have a HR HR department at my office because I can't keep up with this but then next she went to uh then she went to the a pastor pastor de Kornfeld. uh let's hear him I know for myself when the Affordable Care Act was passed seven years ago, it was much more affordable for me to buy health care. As a pastor, I don't make that much money. And my wife is self-employed, so buying Blue Cross Blue Shield open market was much more expensive than having Blue Cross Blue Shield through the Affordable Care Act. Okay, so let's uh, let's examine this before we go to the next part of his statement. He's a pastor, which means he... Uh, which means uh, and and just so you know how clergy people make their money, they get paid. Sometimes they get a small salary, and then they get a uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for for housing? Um, it's a parsonage, 
parsonage, and that parsonage is tax-free. So the so the church usually pays for their their house payment or their and that's tax-free. And then they get uh, maybe a car allowance and they get allowance for supplies and that kind of stuff. And I'm not and I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong, but they live pretty much tax-free. And then they might get so if so, someone on a normal-sized church and I'm gonna pull some numbers out of uh, out of the air. I'm gonna say, hey, you get a parsonage of uh, in California, maybe fifteen hundred dollars a month to pay for your housing, and you get five hundred dollars a month for your for your car, and you get a certain amount for gas and all this stuff, and then you might get a two thousand dollar a month salary. So even though you're making five thousand dollars a month, you're only paying taxes on two thousand. Guess what? If you make two thousand dollars a month, you don't pay taxes. Okay, with me? Okay, and I'm not and I'm not downing clergy people or anything because. That's one of the advantages because they give of themselves to everybody else. So I don't have a problem with that. And then his wife is self-employed. Okay, self-employed means she's not part of a group, which also means she has a ton of tax advantages. She writes off everything. And quite frankly, when I see a lot of self-employed people that aren't making so much money that, that they can't hide it, they're not paying taxes either. They cheat. Okay, when you start making a lot of money, then there's only a certain amount you can cheat you try to take some advantages that you can and and say hey you know what taking full full advantage of the of the uh of the laws the tax laws to your advantage there's nothing wrong with that but small business people that i see go beyond that until they say hey ed can i buy a house and i say well let me take a look at your taxes let's look at your 14s and 15s today before you file your 16s which are due in a couple of weeks before you file your 2016s, so I can tell you what you need to show, because you, in order to, to, you may, you may write write everything down to where you're not financeable, and but if you got good credit, we can go on one year, or we have to average with with two years. I'll tell you, and you may, hey, you may have to pay write a check for ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars in taxes, so that you can finance. Let's take a look at that, because that's how small business people do it. So these people are not in part of a, not in a, uh, not in a uh, in a group. So they don't have group insurance. They're buying it on the open market. So Obamacare was cheaper for them. And, but remember these people probably don't pay hardly any taxes either. Let's go to the next part. So you're happy with what you got. Uh, um, it's worked very well for us. And I honestly don't understand how a tax deduction for people making over 200,000 and squeezing out people at the bottom is going to help. Okay, you don't know how, well, let's let's talk about most people. Most people work for somebody. And when they say a tax deduction, and, and later, I don't remember if I clipped this part, says, hey, they're going to have a tax deduction for people making $200,000 or more a year. Those are your employers. That's your boss. You know, if you work for, if you work for uh, some big giant company, um, you know, they're probably beyond that. But, you know, about 60, 60 or 70% of the country works for small businesses. Those are the people that make 200,000 and, and above. And when you do it, when you don't, when you're taxing, taxing them to death, then it makes it more expensive to hire people. Those are your raises. So when you cut taxes to the, to your employer, it makes them easier to, to uh, afford to give you better coverage. Okay. And you're squeezing out people at the bottom. People at the bottom don't pay taxes. They get earned income credits for their kids under 18. They get this, they get that. And the people that don't make very much money don't pay any taxes. Okay. Well, I pay taxes. Yeah. You, you had $3,500 taken out of your check and you got a $6,000 refund. How is that you pay in taxes? Okay. 
and you guys know who I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you guys that are making 90000 and your wife makes 70000 you're paying taxes. Okay, but the people at the bottom aren't being squeezed. Let's go to the next part of his, uh, of his statement. Is your deductible high or your deductible is okay? Well, with the deductible is, is high, without a doubt. But with the um, subsidy that we're getting, the care is affordable and we're both pretty healthy. So it's worked very well for us. See, uh, with the deductibles high, the care is, affor- the, the care is affordable with, the, with the, uh, uh, the subsidies they're getting. They're tax subsidies. So, so the rich people are paying taxes. The government's taken from the rich, giving a tax subsidy to the poor. And he says, well, we're both pretty healthy, which means I don't have to go to the doctor. Because quite frankly, if you don't go to the doctor, then you don't care. You just got insurance. doesn't make any difference if your care is, is, is affected at all. You know, it's just a matter of, hey, I got insurance. It's a little less expensive because I'm getting a tax break, although I, I'm getting a tax subsidy, although I don't pay any taxes because most of my income is tax-free anyway. Okay, let's keep all this stuff in perspective, folks, because this is something that's 3.3% of the, of the country is on this plan, but we all got affected. And even if you don't think you got affected, the fact that your boss got affected affects you. And if you haven't had to have, and if you've had to have healthcare, go through, pres- get prescriptions, do anything that has to do with medical, you know you got affected because everything just got worse in the last eight years. Or last, uh, let's see, it's been the last uh, seven years since Obamacare has been in. Okay. Then, then they go over to uh, Robbie Mook. Now, Robbie Mook is, is uh, the campaign chairman for Hillary Clinton. So he's a trained, he's a trained uh, uh, sidestepper. And let me, let's hear some of his comments on this. I think the first thing to understand is the Affordable Care Act didn't do anything to people who are getting their insurance through their employer. It really was for these folks that were out there that couldn't get uh, insurance through their employer. That's bull. If you, whether you got insurance through your employer, it got more expensive. I will tell you that uh, I get insurance through my through my employer, and my employer pays 100% for me because I'm my employer. But we have 150 employees, so we have a big, expensive $600,000 a year or more uh, health plan for our employees. And our employees have to pay pay for their families. And what we pay has has gone through the roof. Let's just talk about me and Don. Uh, me and Don, our, our plan was like 800 it was under 900 dollars a month uh for the company to pay for us uh pre-obama i think pre-2011 when it actually went into to effect uh today we're paying over two thousand dollars a month okay plus our our the um our copay our copay is not copays our deductibles is higher and it just seems like everything everything is a pain in the butt to get you, you get a, you got to get the government's uh, okay to get a prescription. Uh, everything that you do is all monitored, and hey, you know the doctor gives you a certain amount of medication. Oh, we're not allowed to give you that much. Okay, you got to keep coming back every two weeks to get some because the doctor knew you were going to be on it, but we're not allowed to do it because the government doesn't allow us to do it. Let's hear the next part of Robbie Mook. Everybody's asking the right questions. What about my premium? What about my deductible? And the answer is there's no way these are going to go down under the bill. And, I, it, and, and it's for this reason. Uh, the Democrats came in in 2009 and 2010 said we want everybody to get insurance and we want to make it as affordable as possible. To do that, they raised taxes on some of the wealthiest people in this country. That's a fact. That's true. 
What the Republicans are coming in and doing now is they're saying, okay, we're, we're just going to repeal this. We're going to take away that tax increase on the wealthiest people in the country. And then we're going to take away the tax breaks. I think the pastor was talking about that those tax credits that allow people to afford this care. The result of that is going to be, and North Carolina is going to be hit the hardest. Uh, for those people that are buying health care on the exchange, they could see their premiums go up 50%. Hey, guess what? 3.3% of the people in this country are on Obamacare. But they're affecting 100% of the people in this country to make sure those 3.3% can afford it. Guess what? Reduce the tax, the, the, ta the increased taxes on your employers. Have them pay you more money. You can afford a little bit higher, higher premiums. And there's other ways to get those premiums down. Open up the state lines to where they can sell, sell over state lines to create for more free market competition. Um, get rid of the, the reform, the, the tort reforms, so that all the lawyers aren't. If you took Prodexa and you have, have a, a, a pimple on your arm, you could be owed money. Call the law offices of Slate and Leone or whatever it is out there. You know, that's on, on at least at least four times an hour on any given station. Get rid of those reforms so everybody's not getting sued and all those class action suits, nobody gets any money but the lawyers anyway. The other thing they could do is uh, open up being able to buy uh, drugs from out of the country. So if you if you uh, notice, if you go to Mexico or Canada, drugs are a lot cheaper. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. I'm gonna be back after five minutes of uh, commercials, weather and traffic, and we'll uh, continue to talk about what happened this week. Don't go away. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. If you're thinking about buying a house or you need to refinance or you need to, you need some uh, real estate financing advice, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. I don't talk very much about it on the show usually because uh, you know what, if you're not in that market, it might be a little bit more boring. But what I do talk about is what's going on in this country. And if you recognize some common sense, if you recognize some, some uh, similarities in the way I think and the way you think, or even if it's not the way you think, if you say, hey, you know, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and you need, you need some financing. Call a guy who thinks clearly. That would be me, 855-640-2020. So we talked about uh, what's going on in uh, the healthcare thing. I'm sure this is going to be a topic coming up almost regularly for probably the rest of the year. I think it should be, uh, they should just repeal. Repeal it effective January next year, and then we got nine months to figure it out. Quite frankly, I think uh, I think the healthcare system was not that bad before Obamacare. You know, you had insurance companies. You paid for your insurance. You talked to your doctor. Your doctor recommended stuff. Uh, if the insurance company thought it was too was uh, uh, too much, the doctor had to talk directly to the to the insurance company. They did whatever they did. It was a little expensive, but it's not nearly as expensive as it is now. And quite frankly, everybody seemed to be happy. And if you were a guy, you didn't have to pay for insurance to cover you when you get pregnant because you can't get pregnant. And uh, and if you didn't want to pay for for insurance to go to the that would cover you for so you could have a five dollar copay when you go to the doctor, you could. Take a catastrophic plan and just say you pay a lot less money in premiums, but you pay when you go to the doctor. If you don't go to the doctor that much, no big deal. The doctor's not that expensive, really. I mean, we're paying uh, $24,000 a year. Go to the doctor, I don't know, if we go a dozen times a year, it's 100 bucks for a doctor visit. 
Okay, and maybe my doctor is more expensive than yours, but uh, you know, I'd rather pay twelve hundred than twenty four thousand. Uh, I mean, if I could pay twelve thousand and pay twelve hundred dollars in in extra doctor visits, I'd rather do that because that saves me money. So there's some uh, there's some common sense. There's some common sense there. So let's talk about what else is going on besides healthcare. But we'll keep talking about this as we go. So uh, last week, when the House Intelligence Committee held hearings on the alleged Russian interference with, and the FBI Director James Comey said he had found no evidence that Obama administration had Trump associates under surveillance, and this week. Intel Committee Chairman David uh, Devin Nunes is still under fire for telling the press he has pers- personally seen evidence to the contrary, especially since it was revealed that he viewed the, this evidence on the White House grounds. Here's uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi demanding that Nunes recuse himself from the entire investigation just because he's just because he's not out to get the president, and they are. Chairman Nunez seems to be more of a partisan for the president than an impartial actor. He has not been cooperating like someone who was interested in getting to the unvarnished truth. And for a a chairman to basically freelance on a subject that he was part of, the transition, it's, it's a stunning thing. It's not. I'm not sure exactly what it means to be interested in getting to the unvarnished truth. Does that mean that you have to be looking to take the president down, or does that mean that uh, that you could be looking to get to the unvarnished truth? Because clearly, there's a separation between what I see, how I see it, and how they see it. Uh, but Nunes is keeping his head up. Here's his exchange with the reporter on Monday. Why not recuse yourself from this investigation? I still don't know why. If you guys give me a reason to recuse myself, I might consider it. The critic, your critics say you're just too close to the Trump administration to lead this investigation. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they've actually said that. But. And will you share your source, reveal your source to all of the committee? We will never uh, reveal sources. But you're confident you can still credibly lead this investigation? <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, look, this is politics. I understand that, and people have to play the different sides that they want to play, but which is okay. He's too close to the administration because he supported Trump? Hmm. I don't know. You know what? Think about this. We had Obama for eight years and it was a disaster. I hate to I hate to use that word because that's that's every other that's every paragraph with Donald Trump. So it was they he did stuff that wasn't good for our country. He clearly doesn't love this country the way we do, and he thought that we shouldn't be the greatest country in the world or uh, have American exceptionalism. He thought all the countries should be equal and we should lower ourselves down so that we're not so um, conceited, not so uh, not so proud, not so he thought we should be humbled on the world stage. And he certainly did that. Um, but uh, apparently, apparently anybody that disagrees with that or, you know, and you could look at Hillary Clinton and clearly most people that voted uh, did look and say, why would we do that to our country? But every day this week, reporters have confronted him. Here's another ambush on Wednesday uh, where the reporters uh, fished for Nunes to give a statement on Schumer and Pelosi. Are you going to stay as chairman and run this investigation? Well, why would I not? You guys need to go ask them why they're, you know, why these things are being said. So can this investigation continue as you as chairman? Why would it not? Because aren't, I, aren't I briefing you guys continuously? So but they're saying you up and keeping so you up to speed. Words, but they're saying that it cannot run as you as chairman. With both you, you got to go talk to them. That sounds like their problem. I don't have, you know, my colleagues are perfectly fine. I mean, there's they know we're doing an investigation and that will continue. 
And then when it comes to how Nunes obtained his information, Congressman Trey Gowdy points out that what matters is is the information that proves Trump team was being surveilled, not the source that gave Nunes the information in the first place. I wish Senator Schumer and some of the other Democrats would be more interested in the authenticity and the reliability of the underlying data and not the means by which it was acquired. Whether it's the White House or Waffle House, what difference does it make if the information is reliable and authentic? It just so happens Devin had to do it this way. So we're not going to take advice from Senator Schumer on who our chair people ought to be. Uh, yeah, so so let me, let me clarify some of that. So apparently Nunes... Um, was in his car with some other people, someone from someone from the White House staff or the white someone in who happens to be in the White House um, called him, texted him, sent him a message. He stopped the car, he got out of the car, talked to him, um, and apparently went over to the White House and he saw whatever he saw that apparently was um, alarming to him or what was the word he used. Uh, he said it was uh, surprising. I forget what the word he used. We, it was a couple weeks ago. And apparently, um, he went back to the White House the next day and talked to President Trump. What the Democrats are saying is he should have said, hey, I'm going to come over, but I'm going to bring Adam Schiff, who's the the next in line, the next. He's not the, I guess, uh, Devin Nunes is the committee chairman. And the ranking member from the other, the ranking member is is uh, Adam Schiff. If you've seen Adam, if you've seen Adam Schiff, he's in love with hearing his own voice, uh, and he is a what's a word? What's a nice word I could say for him? He's an annoying moron, um, and he's he's following in Nancy Pelosi's and uh, and uh, Chuck Schumer's footsteps as to how you can just be. I don't know. He's got his opinion. It doesn't matter because mine is different. So, um, so that that's where they are. So let's wrap up this this with someone from the Obama administration. Uh, someone from Obama administration has already gone on record admitting that they surveilled the Trump team during his, the campaign. Her name is Evelyn Farkas. That's Fanny's sister. Fanny Farkas's sister, Evelyn. Uh, she was deputy assistant on Russia and Ukraine to the Secretary of Defense, Ashton Carter. Under Obama, here's what MSNBC uh, Mika Brzezinski uh, she told Mika Brzezinski back on March 2nd, which those of us who don't watch PMSNBC, we just heard about it this week. I was urging my former colleagues and and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill. Mm -hmm. I, it was more actually aimed aimed at telling the Hill people get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy. Um, that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their the staff the Trump staff's dealing with Russians, that they would try to compromise those sources and methods, meaning we would no longer have access to that intelligence. So I became very worried because mm. not enough was coming out into the open and I knew that there was more. We have very good intelligence on Russia. So then I had talked to some of my former colleagues and I knew that they were trying to also help get information to the Hill. A lot going on today. Yeah, Mark that's Alton. why you have the leaking. Do you think that these people are smart enough to realize that I know that I know their audience. I know that I understand when I uh, put my when I when I talk on the radio, I understand that most Democrats aren't listening. Okay, 
most people, most people that aren't involved in that aren't interested in this stuff, a lot of them don't listen because they're listening to, uh, I guess, the baseball game. It's baseball season now. Okay, so we're still basketball season. Uh, oh, I know, March Madness. They're listening to the March Madness stuff for the college basketball or professional basketball, or they're checking out uh, who's uh, the baseball season, or they're watching the, the what are those, the people, the, uh, the Kardashians, or they're watching, uh, I don't know what else is on that idiot people watch. Um, that's what That's what they're doing. Okay, but I also know that some pe- there are some out there that listen just to just to hear what what the other side's saying. So does this lady, Fanny Farkas's sister Evelyn, does she not realize that hey, I'm going on TV, I'm saying this stuff, I know I'm talking to people that are gonna think I'm cool because I told everybody to get some dirt on Trump before we get out of before Obama gets out of office and make sure you you steal it so they can't erase it. Does she not think that anybody else is watching? I mean, I'm not watching, but somebody is watching, and then they, they say, hey, did you see this on PMSNBC? No, I don't watch that sh- that station. Every now and then, Don and I flip it over just to see uh, uh, Rachel Maddow talk her dribble because she's an idiot. And uh, who else is on there? It used to be the Ed Show. I don't think he's on there anymore because I haven't seen him. Ed Schultz, he's an idiot too. But, you know, and uh, I heard, uh, what is Chris Matthews? Is he on PMSNBC? He is on CNN. He said he said something stupid this morning. I can't even remember it. Um, but it's pretty it's pretty nauseating. These people that have these have these uh, opinions uh, of what's they they just look look at the world through different eyes. I don't understand it. So apparently this lady didn't think anybody else is watching, and I think that's pretty damning what she said. Uh, that she you know hey we did this. Okay, I guess that proves that there was some surveillance going on with the Obama people. So anyway, so while we're on the subject of uh, of uh, you know finding out what they're doing with Russia, you know the media the media continues its obsession about the supposed collusion between Trump the Trump campaign and Russia because they can't understand how Hillary Clinton lost. I can because she's weak, she's corrupt, she's a killer, she's a felon, and quite frankly, uh, I'm going to tell you I'll tell you some more stuff about her. You know, what some of us haven't forgotten is that Hillary Clinton had established undeniable ties to the Russian government herself. And uh, and I've mentioned some of this recently, but let's recap all the known facts for those of you that don't remember. Number one, Hillary Clinton approved the transfer of 20% of all American uranium to Russia. And nine investors in the deal funneled money to the Clinton Foundation. Remarkably, this was reported on, the, on, the, on by the New York Times back April 2015, an article titled Cash Flow to Clinton Foundation Amid Russian Uranium Deal. Here's Sean Hannity to explain. Now, according to the Times findings, Ian Telfer, who is the chairman of Uranium One, made huge, massive donations to the Clinton Foundation. Now, the Times writes, quote, as the Russians gradually assumed control of Uranium One in three separate transactions from 2009 to 2013, Canadian records show a massive flow of cash made its way to the Clinton Foundation. So Uranium One was a Canadian company. And it and when he's talking about it flowed over three transactions to Russia's control, there was uh, three three transactions that Russia Russia took over uh, ownership of it between 2009 and 2013. Incidentally, that's when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. 
and how much cash flowed into the Clinton Foundation. Times report it was $145 million from nine different investors in the deal. But that's not all. Fact number two, Hillary Clinton had hid $2.35 million. See, once you got $145 million, uh, $2.35 million doesn't seem uh, that big of a deal. But that was a, those were secret donations from Ian Telfer, who is the head of uh, Uranium One. Uranium One's Ian Telfer made four foreign donations totaling $2.35 million to the Clinton Foundation. Uranium One's chairman used, used his family foundation to make those donations. Uh, according to the New York Times, those contributions were not publicly disclosed by the Clintons, despite an agreement that she had with the Obama administration, the White House, to publicly identify uh, all donors. Other people with ties to the company made donations as well. Um, so I don't know. We're worried about what what Obama, what uh, uh, President Trump, these guys talked to the Russians, but no one's concerned about Hillary Clinton. Uh, uh, giving away our country's uranium and what is uranium made for? For uh, nuclear energy, nuclear bombs and we gave it to uh, potentially our biggest, strongest adversary in the in the world. Let's see. Let's give all our nuclear stuff to someone that we don't want to drop a bomb on us but in the meanwhile they're going to fill my bank account with this so who cares about what happens to the country as long as my family's rich and rich and rich. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I think it's dirty. Okay. Fact three, Bill Clinton got 500,000 in speaking fees from the Kremlin backed bank while Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. The New York times actually wrote on this as well. Once again, here's Sean Hannity. The Times writes, quote, shortly after the Russians announced their intention to require a majority stake in Uranium One, well, Mr. Clinton received $500,000 for a Moscow speech from a Russian investment bank with links to the Kremlin that was promoting Uranium One stock. So this bank is promoting this Uranium One stock. They make this deal with Uranium One. They sell our uranium to them. And at the same time, they have uh, Bill Clinton come over and make a little speech. And uh, they give him half a million dollars. Which seems small compared to the $2.35 million that Ian, Delf uh, Ian Telfer gave to uh, Hillary and $145 million that the other nine investors gave. But, you know, it all adds up. $147.85 million right there. I don't know if it means anything to you. It kind of bothers me that uh, people are talking about Trump. Uh, so then the next one, John Podesta. John Podesta, remember uh, Hillary's uh, campaign chairman, sat on the board and owned 75,000 shares of an energy company that received $35 million from a company called Rusnano. Okay, what is Rusnano? It's a private equity and venture capital firm owned and operated by the Russian government. Here's a Clinton Cash, uh, the, the guy who wrote Clinton Cash, Peter Schweitzer, he'll, here he is to explain. In 2011, John Podesta joins the board of this very small energy company called Jewel Energy based out of Massachusetts. About two months after he joins the board, a Russian entity called Rusnano puts a billion rubles, which is about $35 million, into John Podesta's company. Now, what is Rusnano? Rusnano is not a private company, Steve. It is a fund directly funded by the Kremlin. In mm -hmm. fact, the Russian science minister called Rusnano Putin's child. So you have the Russian government investing in one of John Podesta's businesses in 2011 while he is an advisor to Hillary Clinton at the State Department. 
So I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. I'm advising Hillary Clinton to do this stuff uh, as, as Secretary of State. And meanwhile, she's pocketing all this cash into her own personal pocket. And then at the same time, I set up a little little corporation, a little small energy company. And uh, this big bank from uh, the controlled by the Russian government transfers all this money, $35 million, into my little company. That really doesn't do anything, but we call it an energy company, but we created a corporation. Uh, does anybody feel like this is dirty? Imagine, imagine you have a uh, hamburger, a hamburger store, and you're paying your, uh, you're paying your all these little kids to cook hamburgers and flip, flip burgers and cook fries, and you hire, a, you hire a manager so you don't have to live there all the time, and you're paying him fifty thousand dollars a year, hundred thousand dollars a year to manage the place, and while you're gone at home enjoying your family or, uh, or enjoying, enjoying whatever you do at home when you're not at work, he's selling hamburgers and sticking the money in his own pocket. How do you feel about that? I got an idea. You own a bar and uh, you're making all kinds of money on alcohol, but except for when you do inventory, you find out your, your inventory is low. And what you find out is that the uh, the guy behind the bar is selling shots and the people are paying cash. He's just not ringing it up, just sticking it in his pocket. I don't know. Does that bother you? Because we're paying uh, Hillary Clinton to be Secretary of State and to negotiate on behalf of our country and to keep... keep uh, the negotiations and keep the dipl diplomacy with other countries up there. And what she's doing is she's, she's uh, skimming the till. Does that bother you any? Cause that's what they seem to be worried about with, with uh, Donald Trump. Of course, Donald Trump was rich before he got in there. I don't know that the Clintons were rich. The Clintons claimed to be claimed to have been broke when they got out of the white house in debt, no less, but now they're worth uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. How did that happen? And while we're at while we're on that, uh, you know, Barack Obama didn't have much of anything either when he went into the White House, but he left with twenty six million dollars. How did he do that? Does that bother anybody? Because nobody's talking about that. So uh, let's go to the next fact. Fact five: Hillary's senior campaign staffers were warned by Clinton by the Clinton Foundation. Clinton Foundation senior vice president Maura Pally warned Pally P A L L Y. Uh, warned Hillary's presidential campaign that Senator Chuck Grassley was asking the Department of Justice to investigate the Uranium One deal. Thanks to all Hillary's people using unsecured servers, the email was eventually published by WikiLeaks. So I got this uh, email here. It says from Maura Polly, uh, July 3rd, 2015. Subject Grassley letter went to Cheryl Mills, John Podesta, um, Heather Samuelson, Uma Abedin, um, all, the, all, of her, all of her communication people. And the, the email says this, Put on, putting on all your radars that Chuck Grassley sent a letter to Attorney General Lynch dated June 30th, though we just saw it, asking questions about contributions to the Clinton Foundation and the Uranium One deal. Letter is attached. Craig is connecting with the communications team to be sure they're all aware as well. Hmm. Someone from the Hillary Clinton, from the Clinton Foundation, which is supposed to be a nonprofit, independent, Nothing having to do with politics. Podesta then forwarded the email to the next tier down. Uh, Jennifer Palmieri, who was the uh, President Barack Obama's Director of Communi 
communications before joining the Clinton campaign. Christina Shockey, one of the campaign's uh, deputy communications directors, and Tony Tony Kark, C-A-R-R-K, the campaign's research director, and Christina Reynolds, another damp- uh, uh, campaign director. Uh, roughly 90 minutes later. Oh, and he also uh, sent it to uh, Hillary. Um, so uh, I don't know. Does this stuff bother anybody? How are we getting all this inside information? You know, they're they're checking this stuff, and then the foundation is is tipping off these candidates, and they're then they're sending stuff to Obama's people, who then join on her her train. Does any of this stuff sound dirty to you? It sounds dirty to me. And they're worried about Trump. They're worried about Trump might have got some secret secret uh, emails. They don't care what was in the emails. They're worried that Trump uh, encouraged the Russians to get to steal the emails and give them to WikiLeaks. Hey, if you're on an unsecured server, about anybody can get those. Anybody that's a computer hacker, uh, you know, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, you know, he's got computer hacking skills, nunchuck skills. So anyway, uh, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about some positive things now. Uh, that Trump ruled, uh, rolls back some regulations. So President Trump rolled back four Obama era regulations this week, supported by Republicans in the House who sponsored his actions. So the first was uh, House Judiciary Resolution 37. It's a rollback of Obama's executive order to blacklist government contractors based on alleged labor law violations. When I met with manufacturers earlier this year, and they were having a hard time, believe me, they said this blacklisting rule was one of the greatest threats to growing American business and hiring more American workers. It was a disaster, they said. This rule made it too easy for trial lawyers to get rich by going after American companies and American workers who contract with the federal government, making it very difficult. Yep, all this stuff this binds up binds up industry. The second is HJ Resolution 44, which was sponsored by Liz Cheney. Uh, it halts Obama's plan to complicate the process of allowing logging, mining, and other commercial uses of federal land. Here's Trump as he signed it. House Joint Resolution 44 removes a Bureau of Land Management rule that took control of land use decisions away from states and local decision makers and gave it to Washington. And that's not good. That's never good. And the last one's nullified education rules. Obama implemented the end of 2016 rules that strips uh, st- uh, states of the right to manage their own education policies. I won't play the clip because I'm out of time. So, folks, thanks for listening to the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. The views expressed are those of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License Number 01147747 and California Finance Lenders License Number 603K610. Also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions. MB Number 096199.